0: come to church here how many of you understand this is your house of destiny everybody look at me this is your house of destiny this is where you come and God may speak through Pastor Mitch or some other servant here to help reveal your destiny first of all how many of you understand everything God created he gave it order and purpose everything everything all of creation he gave order and purpose and if he gave it to a tree how many of you know he gave give it to you so know this regardless of how chaotic you feel your past has been God has an order and purpose for your life and this is your house where it's revealed and then this is your house where it's manifested in other words you just don't find out about it but this is where you come look around how about look around at the other people some of you have been wanting to look at somebody all morning go on and look at them (laughs) God's going to use them to help manifest your destiny. He reveals it here and then He manifests it here. Everybody say this to me. This is my house. Is my house. Come on, ladies, I'm going to let y'all say it. Y'all already got that groove on three. One, two, three. This is my house. Men, let me hear you. This is my house. Everybody in the room say it. This is my house. Where, my is made clear Where my destiny is made clear and then revealed. Here. That's why you coming to church is so important. That's why you coming and growing where God has planted you is so important. This is the house where all that goes down. And that's why it's such a blessing for me to get to be here, that your pastor gives me the incredible privilege of coming here and ministering when he's gone. I often tell him, I often tell you, that's the nicest tip of a cap. that somebody who does what I do. I'm an itinerant minister. For those of you who've never been here, how many of you have never been here when I was here? Raise your hand if this is your first time. Okay, a few of you, this is my life. I'm, I'm on the road, 52 weeks a year, somewhere ministering. I've done it for 43 years. But everywhere I go, God opens the door. And it's a privilege when a pastor says, I'm going to be gone, I trust you. Because I'm going to tell you something, he guards you. He loves you. You're his sheep. And so he's going to let anybody just come stand here. And that he allows me to do that when he's gone is as good as it gets. And so I'm privileged to be here today. And I was just thinking, how about that praise and worship? Come on. You may come here and wonder, will Ed be here? You think Tammy and Tommy will be here? Let me tell you what you have never wondered. Will the praise and worship be anointed? You've never wondered that. Because you know when you walk in, it is. Amen? You know it is. So never take them for granted. They spend a lot of time and effort giving you excellence, and every time you're here, that's what you get, so I appreciate that. My name is Kim Cloud. as I said. Hey, uh, if somebody's around here, somebody's come up here and turn that guitar amp down. The channel on the left side, Chuck, is the one that it is, and pay attention to what number it's on now because that's where we want to put it back to. Y'all give Chuck a hand. He's doing a fine job. That's how deep we run here. When we have a nominal thing to do, we have a captain who can come and do it. So Captain Chuck took care of us there. Uh, Yeah, give him another hand. He did a fine job, fine job. You know, the scripture said that he was laid in a manger. How many of you know nothing could be stranger than God in a manger? Say that, nothing could be stranger than God in a manger. That he allowed him to lie in a manger is incredible. That's a food trough for farm animals. It's a food trough for farm animals. It's a nasty place. Anybody here ever have farm animals? Did you have, a, you have any hogs? Then you had a trough, didn't you? You had a manger. And anybody here knows, even if you didn't have hogs, when you feed hogs, what are you actually doing? Slopping them. I mean, I'll say slop. I mean, that's one of them words, it just feels good to say it, slop. And if you ask anybody what is slop, how many of you know anything? Slop is anything that nobody ate. You know, what am I going to do with these eggs? Put them in a slop bucket. But they have ketchup on them. Put it in there. The peanut butter, too. Put it in there. That is where the Son of God lay as an infant. Let that sink in. Why in the world? Wouldn't you think he'd have put him in a bassinet made of gold? that the mobile was real angels and that if he burped they went "Ah." but he's lying in a manger he's lying in a food trough nothing could be stranger than God in a manger but as shocking as that is is how his life ended that's how it began it ended on a cross Nothing more heinous than a cross. A cross was a way of killing somebody and belittling them in their death. And I asked the Lord one time, why in the world would you let your son lie in a food trough for farm animals and then die in the most heinous manner? And he said, I let him be born there and I let him die there because I intended you to live somewhere that was more heinous than either of those places. in the heart of man. That's proof that nothing you've ever done has been too terrible, too rotten, too foul for God to love you. If he laid in a food trough, if he died on a cross, he'll live in you. That's good preaching, y'all. So it occurred to me What I wanted to do to minister this morning is kind of draw together the last five or six visits that I've had here to culminate in a point. And I wanted to talk about the birth of Jesus. Of course, this is the Sunday before Christmas. I told you I've been doing this 43 years. I started out in staff ministry at a church not unlike this one in Atlanta, Georgia. And whenever a children's church worker didn't show up, I would step in. And so I found out one Christmas Sunday that our five to nine-year-old teacher wasn't gonna be there. 85 five to nine-year-olds. 85 of them. I went in there without a donut. How many of y'all remember the days in church ministry when that was children's church? Give her a donut and put her in there and lock the door. (laughs) Give her a hanky soaked with ether. Put her in there, lock the door. 85, five to nine-year-olds. So I thought, well, at least I don't have to struggle for what my lesson plan would be. It's Christmas. And so I asked the kids, I said, who, who here can tell me? Well, I don't remember what day of the week it was gonna be, but I said, what day is, we'll say Tuesday. Oh, oh, Mr. K, it's Christmas. I said, that's right. I said, what do we celebrate at Christmas? The birth of Jesus. I said, where did that happen? They said, well, they put him in a manger. I said, that's right. And I said, can anybody tell me here, who was there when Jesus was born? This little girl. Y'all ever taught one of them kids or had one of these kids who's seven, but she's actually thirty. This little girl's name was Elizabeth. We call her Libby, and, uh, or Lizzie, rather. And I said, Lizzie, she raised her hand, and I knew this was going to be good. I said, who was there when Jesus was born? She said, well, Mary. <laughs> no doubt. She said, Joseph. She said, a donkey. She said, a cow and some goats. She said, it was crowded. I mean, if you're having a baby and there's goats and donkeys there, you're going to think, this is crowded, y'all. Can I not get some privacy here? And that's entirely accurate. He was born, and the ones who visually saw that happen, Mary and Joseph and farm animals. Stroke your beard. Think about that. Go ahead, ladies, do it by faith. I like. Her. I don't know if you noticed her. Hers was down here. She's like this. Is how I roll right here. Farm animals. Mary and Joseph. Later, three wise men. How I many of you know that was two thousand years ago? How many of you remember when you were in grade school, or maybe they did this when you were in high school, or even college? Someone would have. You got a class of fifty people. Someone would whisper something in the ear of this person and say, "Okay, tell the person next to you." And when you whispered it in this ear and it went through 50 ears and mouths, by the time you got to the end, you compared what the final word was to the first word. Anybody ever do that? Kind of revealing, wasn't it? So with that in mind, the first and only eyes who saw the birth of Jesus were his parents and farm animals, later three wise men. So what kind of a job have those entities done over the last 2,000 years of revealing that event to subsequent generations. They're the only ones who saw it who beheld him lying in a manger. We today understand what happened from their word. Agreed? So what kind of... Let's talk about human beings. You would think since we're the ones who have the gift of language... You would think we would be the ones who have been most excellent at communicating this birth of Jesus. And so 2,000 years later, at the very time of Christmas, what does the world celebrate? A portly man from the North Pole who never existed. Well, what does that have to do with the birth of Jesus? Well, he has reindeer. What does that got to do? Well, they can fly. Goofy. The world works so hard to use misdirection to pervert the truth. Yeah, after it's gone through a few mouths and ears, the story's changed, hasn't it? Today, you can't even get people in the workplace to say Merry Christmas. They're worried they'll lose a job because that's hate speech. People get offended when you say Jesus. So I rest my case in 90 seconds on what kind of job humanity has done of carrying that message forward. But remember, Mary and Joseph were not the only ones there. Lizzie was right. There were farm animals that saw it. How many of you understand from the beginning, God has not only spoke to mankind, but he first, before he ever made man, spoke to creation? Is that in the Bible? Let me hear y'all say, is that in the Bible? Say it like your brother would. Where's that in the Bible? Well, how about Genesis 1, 3? One time I came here and taught on Genesis 1-3. It says, and God said, let there be light. How many of you see it's in quotes? If you were here when I taught on this, you I hope, remember, what does it mean when you see something in quotes? They said it out loud. It wasn't a thought bubble. God actually said, let there be light. Look at verse 6. When he spoke in verse 6, what he said was also in quotes. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. Dry ground appeared. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, just like verses 3 and 6, again in quotes, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear. In each of these instances, God is speaking out loud. Put verse 14 up there. I won't take time to read it, but you can read it as you look at me and look at it on the screen. You'll see again what God said was in quotes. Quick question, who's he talking to? Yes. Clearly it's not Adam. He hadn't made him yet. Clearly it's not Eve. She came from Adam. And yet God was talking out loud. Put your hand up your ear like this. Lean forward. so you don't have your hand up your ear. Thank you. If you don't have your hand up your ear, you're out of the will of God. Everybody lean forward. How many of you know when he spoke, creation listened? Look, put, put Genesis one twenty two up there. The Bible tells that he spoke to the animals and blessed them. And he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. How many of you know everything God created, he blessed it? How many of you know when you bless something, even if it's never produced before, it'll produce now? These are birds that had never laid an egg. These are fish that had never laid an egg and they never would have if he hadn't blessed them. But when he blessed them, they got busy, y'all. He said, get busy, and they listened. So understand this, from the beginning, even before mankind comes forth, God's talking to creation, and creation is watching. And so it was fitting that when the Son of Man is born, he's born in a place associated with creation, the animals. And it's fitting they were there to watch. And to me, it's crucial that they were, because I believe they have done a better job of revealing the truth of the love of God than mankind has. Check my the Bible. Put our scripture from Job up there, brother, Job 12. Job 12, verse 7. It says, but what? Ask the animal. How many of you know you only ask people something to have an answer? Huh? Wave your hand and say, I know that's right. Every husband in this room knows that. Your kids come and ask you something, what do you do? Go ask your mama, I don't don't know. (laughs) You need to ask somebody and answer that question. You ask people something that you know have an answer. And so the scripture says, ask the animals, then what will they do? They'll what? They'll what? They'll what? They will teach you. How about the birds of the sky? What will they do? you look at the next verse verse eight speak to the earth what will it do how about the fish of the sea they'll inform you look at the next verse which of these does not know we have generations today that do not know the hand of the Lord creation does they're not confused Listen to the animals and they will teach you. Listen to the earth and it will teach you. How many know the Bible says if you don't clap your hands, at the trees of the field will? If you don't shout, the rocks will? Come on, y'all. They can teach you, they can tell you. You know why? They know. We got a world today that does not know. And it's not their fault. How many know the ones that don't know aren't your enemy? They're the ones he died for. I think I told you all this story one time. I got into my hotel room. I'm, as I said, hotels and rental cars and airports. I mean, that's my life. And I get into my hotel room. I always call my wife. First thing, let her know I'm in there safe. But I got in and I turned the TV on because I thought there might be a fight on tonight. I like boxing, y'all. Uh, full disclosure, I like boxing. Particularly if it's heavyweight boxing. But and so a lot of times you get in a room they have HBO or Showtime, and we, we don't, my wife and I don't have that, but I know that's cool because they got boxing a lot of times. Well I turned it on and it wasn't, it wasn't no fight. It was a talk show. And it was a guy in there, and incredibly I stopped because he was talking about Jesus. And I remember looking at the guide. I mean, in a room you don't know number seven is HBO this week, it's number 98 the next week. So I thought, is that HBO? This guy's talking about Jesus. But then he said. And belittled Jesus. He said, as far as I'm concerned, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to tell you what he said. Can we talk here? This is what he said. He said, as far as I'm concerned, Jesus is nobody but a bastard who went from town to town doing magic tricks. I heard the rock and rollers throwing their TV out the window of their hotel room. I was ready to kick that t- I got so mad. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I called my wife. I said, baby, you're not going to believe I'm telling her. And I'm telling her. And I thought she'd go, yes. You know what she said? In fact, she asked me a question. She said, well, Kim, are you praying for him? Why would I do that? She said, Kim, he could be this generation's Paul. She said, he ain't got nothing on Saul. I mean, oh, Paul was Saul before he got, before he saw the light. She said, this could be this generation's Paul. Some of you probably have figured out the guy who I'm talking about, I don't want say his name because I am praying for him now. And so when you see people that don't yet know the truth, they're not your enemy. They're just your brother and sister hadn't realized that they've been adopted yet. But how many of you know the animals? No. They'll teach you. And I will tell you firsthand, how many of you here are animal lovers? Go ahead and raise your hand. Go ahead and raise your hand. Call that that is not as though it were. If you have to, go ahead and raise your hand. I've been around people, Christians, y'all don't have any cats, do you? Man, I hate cats. I think, why? I hate cats. How many of you know God made cats? And I guarantee he knows more about cats than you do. And what did he say when he got done and he looked them over? That's good. Stroke your beard. Don't ever confess you hate anything that God made. I'm not joking now. I'm being serious. My wife and I love animals. You know why? They teach us. They teach us. We have horses, y'all know that. My wife has a horse ministry. She uses horses to teach you the Bible. And one of the things that we've learned about horses from the time they're born, from the time a baby infant horse feet hits the ground, the first thing they want to do is stand up. And then the first thing they start doing is they start looking. And you know what they're looking for? Not a meal. Leadership. That's the first thing a horse looks for because they're a prey animal. They get eaten by other animals. They're herbivores. They get eaten by carnivores. And that baby horse knows, just like any adult horse knows, I need a leader. In fact, when you introduce a new horse into a herd, anybody here have horses? Raise your hand if you have horses. You have horses? How many you have? Three. So if you introduce a new horse to a herd, how many of you know, the minute you introduce that new in horse, everything stops. And everybody's got to figure out, where do you fit in in the hierarchy here? Am I above you or below you? Because what they're discerning is, who's going to lead? If you get my wife's newsletter, you know she's talked about this baby horse that we've had. He's going to be three next month. His name's Ariel. And we've had him since he's a little guy. In fact, we were there when he was born, literally. He was the littlest of all of them. Everybody at the farm where he was born, they have about 25 babies every year. They called him Tiny Tim. Because the litter and all the rest of them, way littler. We named him Ariel. She did because it means Lion of God. And that's what he's grown into. Ain't no little tiny Tim, no more. He's 15 hands. He weighs about 1,100 pounds. Say every time. every time. Every time. he's ever eaten a bite of grain, either my wife and I or gave it to him. Say every time. every time. Every time he's ever had a drop of water, my wife or I gave it to him has never eaten anything we didn't give him he never has drunk anything we haven't given him every bit of pasture cover protection every bit of medicine every bit of love he has ever got we've given to him and yet every morning when we go down to the barn my wife's down there right now i guarantee you he asks us the same question every day every day you know what the question is who's gonna be the boss are you gonna lead or not? i gotta know and when he asks, he's got 1,200 pounds behind the asking. I've seen people with four-pound dogs that drag them around. You can't have a 1,200-pound horse. They're nothing but muscle, y'all. But the first thing we've taught them is we're your leader. You follow us. We don't follow you. And so when my wife leads them two horses, she's got three, she'll lead them out two at a time, sometimes all three of them. That's like almost 4,000 pounds of muscle. She weighs not much. That's how much she weighs. (laughs) Not much. She she sits in my arm at night and I sing to her. She's really small. (laughs) Y'all tell her any of this, I'll deny it. When she leads them horses, if she stops... If they get a nose in front of her, all she has to do is look at them and go, Mama, I'm sorry, and they back up. I've seen kids that won't behave like that. Woo. Let me tell you, a horse will teach you about leadership. You can't rule over a horse. You're not big and strong enough. But if you teach them leadership and that you're their leader, they'll follow you. Let the, ask the animals, what will they do? What will they do? How many of you have ever seen Canadian geese? Canadian geese can be kind of noisy. They come to our property and they'll sometimes conjugate outside our bedroom and get in a disagreement. They're always in a disagreement. <laughs> They're going nonstop. But you know what I've learned from Canada geese? First of all, they mate for life. How have humans done on that? Ask the animals, what would they do? They'll teach you. Come on, y'all, you all you had not gone home, have you? They make for life. Not only that, when they have goslings, they'll have eight, nine, ten of them. From the moment them goslings hit the ground and those eggs hatch, that mom or dad will never fly again until the goslings do. Everywhere they go, they're walking. How many of y'all seen goose when they walk? They got that. And it's something on our property. I'll see a daddy goose coming. He'll have eight or nine little ones and then mom will be in the back. And I can be riding up to him with a tractor and that daddy just squares off at me. He's gonna fly off because he's protected. He'll give his life. He stays with his mate for his life and he would give his for his children he would never abandon his sons and daughters there's people in this room that's the first thing your dad did first thing your mom did that's what you've been struggling to get over a better time of your life ask the animals what will they do they'll teach you ask the animals ask the birds of the sky they'll tell you my wife and i have dogs Well, currently we don't, but all our life we've had dogs. We love them. Nothing better than a hound. I use that word to describe every breed. A good-looking hound you got there. First thing we did when we got our place, we knew we need hounds. And so we went and adopted them. We went to the pound, and as soon as we walked in, there's this beautiful yellow lab. I told you all this story one time. Walked in this gorgeous yellow lab. As soon as I looked at him, bam, 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 as his tail hitting the wall. Bam, 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 bam. I said, What's the story on him? The guy said, I don't know. He came in last night. I said, Well, can I love on him? He said, Sure. I got in there. I was loving on him. He's licking me. I was licking him. He's wonderful. <laughs> I said, We're going to take him. My wife said, Yeah, let's take him. He's gorgeous purebred yellow lab. The man said, oh, you can't take him. He's got to stay here three days and to give opportunity for his owner to come claim him. Say every day. Every day we went there and visited him. It's like doing prison ministry. We couldn't go in but one at a time. Couldn't stay but about five minutes. But we're in there loving on. On the third day, my wife said, you know, baby, that's a beautiful yellow. Anybody could come get him. Find out what time they open. Seven o'clock. Say 605. (laughs) 605. At 6.05, we're eating Hardy's biscuits in the parking lot. So we can be the first. As the workers came, they'd look at us. Finally, they all got in there, and I saw them pulling the blinds down. And finally, the manager came out there, and he said, can I help you? I said, oh, y'all, them people have been coming to see that lab every day. You ain't got to wait. You can come on in. We had toys. We already had all the stuff. When we walked in, directly across from the yellow lab was a chocolate lab in the kennel across from him. When I walked in, I started hearing, bam, 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 tail. I said, what's the story on her? He said, I don't know. She came in last night. And my wife said, I know part of the story, she had a collar on with about four links of chain and then it was broke. And my wife said, you know, last night we had that terrible storm. Somebody had her chained up outside. Y'all ever seen people chain their dog to a tree? Why don't they chain themselves out there? All of a sudden, they get a moment of clarity about that, don't they? Chain her dog out there, and this dog knew this is ridiculous. She released herself on her own recognizance. And my wife said, we're going to have to take her too. I said, I know. I said, can we take her? He said, yes. I said, are we going to have to wait three days? He said, no. We took them home. They lived their lives. Hank lived to be 15. By the way, that's what we named the yellow lab. Hershey, she's chocolate. Hershey lived to be 15. Hank died first. Hershey's kind of lost with that, Hank. Say every day. day. Say every moment. moment. Say every minute. Every minute minute of every moment, Hershey would follow my wife and I everywhere we went. Everywhere. I clean horse poop every morning when I'm home. Yeah, that's what I said. Every morning I'm down there shoveling. How many of you know the average horse will produce 75 pounds of manure a day? We have three of them. That's 225 pounds of manure every day. How many of you know that's not the kind of thing you collect? You want to see my collection? No. So every morning I'm shoveling manure. I put it into something called a manure spreader. Those two words tell the story. You pull it behind a tractor or something like that and it flings manure into the air. It fertilizes your field. It breaks up manure so flies don't hold, don't develop. Hershey followed me every minute of every moment. I could never tell her Baby, don't follow me now. But she would. And so that meant as this machine is flinging poop, she's back there walking in the proverbial storm. And we'd get wherever we're going to get. She just covered. I said, baby. And I would try to tell her. And she looked at me every time and said, don't you understand? You saved me from a life of this. I can deal with it for a few minutes if it means I can be near you. When she died, she died in my wife's arms. We said, how will we know? And I knew she'll tell us. Came out one day, she couldn't get up. Back legs didn't work. We knew it's time. Took her to the vet and he said, I'm not gonna ask you to get her out of the truck. She's laying in my wife's lap in the back seat of the truck. He said, I'm gonna give y'all a few minutes. When you're ready, I'll come give her her shot. He came out of her while, we said we're ready and he gave her the shot. He said, it'll just be a couple minutes. He said, I'll give you time with her. He come out a half hour later, bam, bam, bam. She ain't going nowhere. He said, what in the world? He said, I've never seen anything like this. He said, the only thing I conclude is she just has such a desire to live. Why? She can't use her back legs because she's in her Redeemer's lap. I want to leave you. Ask the animals, what would they do? We had chihuahuas, had two of them. We had one named Tex. Tex wore a bandana on the side of his head. Two forty fives. He always shot first, asked questions later. (laughs) Tex never said anything he didn't mean. He was the head of all security on our place. He needed a woman. We got him one. Her name was Maggie. We named her Miss Magnolia. We called her Maggie. I should tell you this, Tex and Maggie let my wife sleep with them. She let me sleep with them too. They didn't care. They let us sleep with them. They were so little, Maggie weighed three pounds and two ounces. I could have her in the pocket of my shirt right now. She'd fit. Biggest thing on her was her ears. Her four legs, number two pencils. Her tail, a number two pencil. I mean tiny, y'all. We had to put steps for them to get up in the bed. Three steps, my stomach was the fourth one. Step, 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 dad, bed. And all night long, they were coming and going. And I loved it. Little Maggie. I used to love to wake her up every morning. Because really, I wasn't waking up Maggie. I was waking up my wife. She's not a morning person. Which is why I enjoyed waking her up so much. (laughs) Simple pleasures after you've been married a while. And so the way I'd wake my wife up every morning is I'd go, wake up, Maggie! Maggie! I think I've got something to say to you. It's late September and I really ought to be back at school. For those of you wondering, that's a Rod Stewart song. Thank you very much. I just like to see how deep in the lyrics can I get before my wife would go, Kim, not today. I go, wake up, No. Maggie, her whole life was my wife. Because my wife is the one that redeemed her from a puppy mill. She'd never been handled. She'd never been out of a cage. The only reason she was there was to have puppies. Incredibly, with chihuahuas, it's already the smallest dog in the world, but the smaller they can get them, the more they want to charge for them. I'm serious. And they bred her, and she didn't have but one puppy, and it died inside of her, and they weren't even going to let her deliver that puppy. They were just going to let her starve in a cage. And we had somebody that keeps an eye on them and told us, and my wife said, I'll go get her. I pity the fool getting get in front of my wife <laughs> when she's rescuing an animal. She'd come home with little Maggie. Do you know who you would be to Maggie? You're the same person I am. You're not the mama. <laughs> Maggie divided the entire world's population into two groups, mama and everybody else. She only had eyes for mama. Everything about her was just to look at mama. Every room my wife worked in, she had beds for Maggie. In the kitchen, she had a bed. In her office, she had a bed. Anybody here own a chihuahua? If you know anything about chihuahuas, they love sunshine. You open up the blinds where the sun hits the floor, they'll go lay in that spot. My wife realized that and in her office when the blinds were open, here's the spot where the sun hit. She put that bed there. Maggie's whole world was good. She had sunshine, mama all she ever wanted to do was look at my wife if my wife stood up maggie would go crazy mom you're amazing she got excited when her tail would whack, her back feet would come off the ground she's like mom if susan sat down mom you're amazing i've never seen anyone worshiped but my wife was worshiped by that little dog. Because she knew who her Redeemer was. She knew who had saved her. She knows who loved her beyond her faults. At the end of her life, she's nearly 20, she's 19. She couldn't see anymore, she just about couldn't hear anymore. She could still find Mama. Two thousand years later of those who were there to worship and witness the birth. Who's done a better job? Ask the animals. They'll teach you. Bow your heads. I've seen bumper stickers as you have. I wish I could be the person my dog thinks I am. I call them perfection covered with hair. They demonstrate every day the love and grace and forgiveness of a compassionate God. Horses are used to teach prisoners in the prisons leadership. Responsibility. You watch that Canada geese, you'll learn about faithfulness and love that never fails. My exhortation to you in this Christmas season be a human, the animals would brag on. I've been here bragging on the animals this morning. Be a messenger the animals will brag on. Be an example. Talk about Jesus like you were there when he was born. Share the love of the Lord like you were there to be blinded by the light of those heavenly hosts that said, we bring you great tidings of great joy that is for all men everywhere. That unto you this night is born a Savior. His name is Jesus. You'll find him lying in a manger. Nothing could be stranger than God in a manger but from the beginning God had order and purpose in place Father I just thank you for your loving grace I thank you for this song they sang that said you love me beyond my faults you love me beyond my weakness I don't have to perform for you to love me if you're in this room and you've never known that love You've never known somebody that loves you even when you've wronged them. You've never met anybody who knows everything about you and it hasn't changed their opinion of you. There's a reason you've never had that because you only find that in one place. His name is Jesus. And I've been around church long enough to know just because you're in church don't mean you've met Jesus. And if you haven't, that's why you're here today. The service is for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're ready to be loved beyond your faults. If you're ready to have a purpose and a future. If you're ready to embrace joy instead of fear and hope instead of depression. Here's what's cool you don't need a password, you don't need to fill out any forms. All you have to do is believe in heart in your heart that that person is jesus and confess it with your mouth so if you're here today and you've never asked jesus in your heart today's your day every head bowed every eye closed i'm the only one who has my eye open because i'm just going to pray with you but if you're here today and you've never asked jesus in your heart if you'd like to know firsthand what is this all about if you ask him he'll show you that's you, I want you to do something simple. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you stand up or come to the front. I'm just going to pray you right, right where you're seated. If you're here today and you're ready to ask Jesus in your heart, I want you to do something simple. Just raise your hand where I can see it. Do it now. Do it now. Just high enough where I can see it. Do it now. I see your hand. Is there anybody else, church, pray. God's moving. Who else will say, this is for me. I'm ready. Just raise it where I can see it. The Bible says when just one does that. The Bible says he leaves the 99 to go get the one. That means everybody in this room was once the one. Aren't you glad that you were? Aren't you glad that he did? Today we're going to all pray together with this person who said I'm ready. Everybody out loud. Father, I thank you for loving me. For sending your son to die. That I might live. I believe. His blood was shed so I could be forgiven. I believe He was resurrected so I could have eternal life. I believe He lives in my heart now. Set me free from my past. And He's given me a future. And I'll never look back. In Jesus' name.